All right, everybody, let's go ahead and get started. So good to see you here this morning. Welcome to North Village Church. Everybody's chatting. My name's Michael, one of the pastors here. We got our very own Mary Browning back from college already. She couldn't resist it. She had to come back. I love it, love it. Just turning 18 years old, so, uh, so excited to see Mary this morning. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, if you don't have a devotional, you can still use the, the current one we're using. Turn to page 201. Just one more week in here. Take that home as our gift. If you're new, you can see where we've been. And then just like James and Holly told you, please take this home as a gift as well. That'll start September uh, 11th. And uh, so excited to uh, be with you here this morning. We're going to continue in a uh, short series on money, last Sunday we looked at Second Peter chapter 3 as a reminder that Jesus is going to return, right? Jesus, oof, Jesus lived a perfect life. He took our uh, sin at the cross. He conquered it in the resurrection. He walked around for 40 days, and then he ascended into the heavens, and he said, I'm going to come back. He promised to return, and it's his return that shapes how we live our life. It shapes even how we spend money, and money is a big part of our world especially in uh, 2023. I mean, it just seems like almost any article, any news event, any conversation is either about finances or inflation or uh, the economy or, or, or just money in, in general. I'm sure all of us on some level, either personally or we know somebody who's been laid off uh, because businesses are trying to do more with less, and so that's creating some financial tightening. We, uh, we all experience living in our city. We live in an expensive city, and so it just seems like it's getting more expensive by the day, right? I mean, food's more expensive, uh, entertainment's more expensive, uh, rents are more expensive, and, and cars, like, have you looked at cars, like... It's bonkers. Like you, we have a 10-year-old a, a car that if you were to buy that car uh, today, it has more miles and it's more expensive than when we bought it uh, 10 years ago. That's bonkers, right? That's bonkers. And that, that's the world we're in right now. Just money is a, is a part of our conversation. The stock market just rocking along flat <laughs> for the last two years. And, and so... People are thinking about money, uh, whether we even realize it or not. Uh, perhaps you even know uh, one of these lyrics, Richmond of North Richmond or something like that by Oliver Anthony. Uh, he says these words, I've been selling my soul, working all day, overtime hours for little pay, so I can sit out here and waste my life away, drag back home and drown my troubles away, right? Some people say this is a political song, but I think this song has resonated with so many people around our country because of just economics, finances, frustrations, and, and we feel like we're kind of trapped in that. So now more than ever, I mean, we planned to talk about money like 18 months ago, right? That's why it's in our devotional, but what, what an appropriate time for us to see what does God's word have to say about money. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'll read verses 1 and 2. You can follow along. The Apostle Paul writes, Now, brethren, we wish to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia, that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy and their deep poverty overflowed in the wealth of their 
liberality. So 1st and 2nd Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. We just finished 1st Corinthians as a church family. We saw uh, the, the, the theme is rebuke, rebuke, rebuke to move people towards spiritual maturity. So in 2nd Corinthians, he's writing to them like this is what it looks like practically to follow Jesus. So in verse 1, the Apostle Paul, he points the Corinthian church to a group of other churches, the churches of Macedonia. See, the Apostle Paul went to these cities. He proclaimed the name of Jesus. People come to faith. So these are the churches of Macedonia. And then he writes about these churches in Macedonia, that there's a great ordeal of affliction. Look at that in verse 2. And yet there's abundance of joy. Do you see that contrast? They're deep in poverty. That's the churches of Macedonia. But they're overflowing with the wealth of liberality. You might be thinking, if you've been a part of our church for a while, like, have we, have we taught this passage before? Yeah. Yeah, I love this passage. Like, almost every year we look at this passage because it's so helpful uh, because it, it applies to all of our lives. I mean, when you see that phrase, great ordeal of affliction, it's talking about trouble. It's talking about hardships. Like, and everybody can relate to trouble and hardship in life. We might not call our life a, a great ordeal of affliction, but whether it's our health or our marriage or our kids or our extended family or our nation or our career, like, man, we know what it's like to be in a place of hardship and challenges. And then when you see that word poverty, that word poverty doesn't mean these churches in Macedonia couldn't go on a vacation that year or they, they, they had to stop going to Starbucks. Like in the first century, they didn't have credit unions. They didn't have social services. And so if you found yourself in financial struggle, you had to go to a wealthier person and you had to seek their help. And then in their culture, they would hang it over you. Like invite you to parties. Let everybody know how I'm helping you. Go ahead. Like that's, that was their culture. And so it was tremendous pressure when they found themselves in financial poverty. Right? And so this is the context of the churches of Macedonia. Yet they're abundant with joy, and they're overflowing with generosity. Do you see that? Man, I don't know about you, but like I, I've not arrived in this area. And so I love looking at this passage so many times because it's helpful to think about, like, how does that happen? Like, I've grown some in generosity, but like I want to keep growing in this, this area of generosity, my relationship with money. And so like, how does that happen? Like, as a follower of Jesus, we've been called to live for his glory. How does that happen? Like, especially in the area of money. Like, when it just seems like there's so many places to spend money. Like, what does that look like? How does that happen? Right? Like, when you look on the news and it's just like economy and career and finances and expensive. And, ugh, and like, how do you not just spiral into a place of despair like when it comes to money of like oh we're all gonna die like how do you have a great ordeal of affliction and an abundance of joy like you can't talk about this enough so let's keep digging into it verses three and four the apostle paul writes he says for i testify that according to their ability that's the macedonian churches and beyond their ability they gave of their own accord, begging us with much urging for the favor of participation and the support of the 
saints, all right? So don't get confused by that word saints. That word saints, what that means is that when you believe in Jesus, you're clothed in his righteousness. And so God's word calls us saints. It's not because of our righteousness or our morality, but by grace, through faith, we are made righteousness. And every man, woman, and child who believes in Jesus is described as a saint, right? And what we see in the context of 2 Corinthians 8 is that the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthians because the saints in Jerusalem are struggling, They're being persecuted. Their houses are being burned down, right? They're losing their lives, right? And so the Macedonian churches, they have their own affliction. They have their own poverty, and yet they're begging to help the brother and sister in Jerusalem. Does that make sense, right? Their deep affliction and their poverty is so great, the Apostle Paul doesn't even ask them. You know how you have that, that time in, in life if you're like, oh, I, I probably shouldn't ask that person. They have their own situation going on. And the Macedonian's response is like, get out of my way. Like, yes, we have affliction. Yes, we have poverty. But they're begging to give. So it, we have to be asking ourselves, and how does that happen? What does that look like in our life for us to mature in Christ, to mature in our relationship with money so that we're not overwhelmed by the headlines, but there's still joy, right? We're not grounded in the circumstances, but there's still joy in that we're we're looking to be a part of what the kingdom of God is doing, like, around the world. How does that happen? Like, how do you raise children? Like, what kind of conversations need to be happening in the home with our children to point them to that type of heart attitude? Verse 3 gives us some clues. Verse 3, we see the Macedonian people are giving according to their ability. So that that phrase, according to their ability, ability, it literally means according to what one has, which means practically, somehow, the Macedonian church had an accounting system of some type. Right? They had a budget of some type. They had a way to know, according to their ability, to know these are the resources that, that the Lord has brought into my life. Right? They're aware of what has been entrusted to them. So in our culture today, you might like a, a monthly budget. Like everybody's at a different place in their, their financial literacy, Right, And so like, if we're going to have an attempt to, to mature in our relationship with money, to have deep affliction and yet joy, like you've got to have a budget. I mean, just base, base level, take an account of these are the resources, these are the assets, these are the opportunities the Lord has brought into my life. And so that you would have fixed expenses that you would know, like well, every month, I'm, I've got to pay for rent, right? I've got to have a place to live, a shelter, some sort, right? Every month, uh, there's some utilities, right? Every month, I've got to eat, right? You're going to spend money on food. You know that. On day one, you're going to have to spend money on food. Those are called fixed expenses. So every person, as a follower of Jesus, right, we would want to know what are the fixed expenses. On top of that, you've got discretionary expenses, You don't have to spend this money, but these are things that might come out throughout the month. So you might need to go buy a new piece of clothing, right? You might need to, you know, go get an ice cream 
ice cream cone and celebrate the Lord's goodness in your life. You, you might have certain things that you, you might want to go see a movie. You know, it's like $50 to go see a movie these days, so you got to save up to go do it. But you might. Those would be discretionary expenses. Listen to me, church family. Like, if we are going to have a shock at maturing in this area, I don't want to, I don't want to assume anybody's spiritual or financial literacy. Like, we got to have a budget. We got to have a way to account for, like, these are the resources, especially living in Austin. There's too many fun things to do in Austin. Like, if your approach toward your finances is like, well, when I run out of money, I'll stop doing it, it's never going to work. There's, if, you li- if we lived in Odessa, that might work. <laughs> There's nothing to do in Odessa. Like, you, like, you can't, like, you go to a Friday Night Lights, buy some popcorn, that's it. You got to wait till the next Friday to have something fun to do in Odessa. But in Austin, you got tacos, t- queso. Barbecue, soccer, football, live music. I mean, even if you're like, well, no, I just, I, I, my entertainment is I run. In Austin, like, you know, we have a running store in Austin, and their sole purpose is just selling running shoes. Like, you might think, well, you could just go buy running shoes at Academy, right? You could. But in Austin, they sell $250 running shoes, right? And then you have the running shorts. You can't just wear regular shorts. You have running shorts, running shirt. Then you got to think about your nutrition. Like, what are you going to eat? You can't just regular eat. You got to have running food. Like, like there's, like, like, it's so much. You could just, you cannot approach it of like, well, when I run out, you're sunk. Like, if we're going to have, like, Macedonian-type mentality towards money, where we're giving according and beyond, like, we got to have some type of budget, especially if you're married. If you're married, it even gets harder. Because now, husband and wife, you got to talk. You got to talk about money. That's, that's hard. You're going to have a budget where we spend money, how we spend money, who keeps track of that money, where are the receipts on the money, what's the goal for the money. Like, that's what God's word is describing, right? To be a people that affliction comes, there's still joy. Right? Poverty may come, ups and downs, 2008, pandemics may come, right? There's, there's still generosity, right? Because you see that in, in the life of the Macedonian people. So we provide some resources for you this morning. This orange book, just a small book on generosity, really easy read. Please take that home. We have extra. We just threw a, we sprinkled a few out uh, under the chairs. Take that home as, as our gift. Another resource, a, a financial piece. Like, that's being made available around the city. Sometimes we do it in our church family. It's a classroom to help you, like, grow in this area. Like, like please, like, man, take advantage of the opportunity. Don't allow money just to kind of just be out there, right? Take an account. But don't just stop with that because look at verse 3 when he says, according to their ability, and then it says, beyond their ability. Did you see that? according to their ability, and then beyond their abilities, which means there's fixed expenses, there's discretionary expenses, and then there's building into your budget, giving. Right? That there would be intentionality that the Lord has entrusted you with certain resources, and so we want to give. 
Now, it's possible that, that some people have this approach of like, well, after I go buy my running shoes and I go to my soccer games and I buy my tacos and I go see my movies and if there's any money left over, then I might give, right? That's typically our, our response, right? I might, I might text, you know, some money to somebody who needs it. I might give some money to uh, somebody at the corner, right? I might, or like Luke Bryan teaches us in Buy Dirt, you know that song? Throw a little money in the plate at church. Bye. You don't know this song? Like, like that's the mindset of like, when you got a little money, you know, if the songs were good on Sunday and if the sermon was all right, you slip a 20 in the plate. Like that's sometimes, but that's not how God's word approaches giving, right? And it's possible you might be thinking like, well, typical pastor talking to us about giving, right? Give to North Village Church, praise God. But like just in general, right, give. Right? God's word teaches us to to intentionally plan. The Macedonian church is modeling for us an example to, to be giving according to our ability, right? That there's some type of account, there's some type of financial structure, and then they're begging to give above and beyond, right? And it's not lost on me who I'm talking to this morning. Like, like our church family is going through a season of rebuilding, right? And so if you're if you're a part of our church family, if you're a partner in our church family, like you're giving to our church family. I recognize that. Like our church family, for, I mean, are Macedonian type people. Praise God, right? So that's not lost on me. Like our, our budget in our church family is, you know, like I think we're seeing like over, over 25000 a month come in. So just like take that into account. Like every month, the people of our church family, there's no outside donors, there's no mysterious people who just send money in, right? And it's not one person who gives like 24000 and then the rest of us throw a little money in the plate. <laughs> I mean, like, there's Macedonian-type mentality that's happening uh, in, in our church family. And so please don't hear this as, like, rebuke or correction. Like, for the most part, like, our, our church is generous. Like, we're, we're, we're hearing about the spiritual gifts in our church family, and you know what's in the top three so far that we've seen in the data? It's giving. Like giving is in the top three. And so we have a generous church. But at the same time, according to God's word, I want to cast a vision of just like, let's keep growing in this area to just give. To be, that's the Lord to help us to give. Because every time we give, every dollar we give away, whether you give to North Village Church or wherever you give, every dollar is like a tiny worship service in our soul. Every time we give away. Because money gives us an illusion of security and significance, right? That's why the opening image is of a $100 bill just turning to liquid, right? Because money, it, when you have a lot of money, don't you feel so secure? You're just like, I'm so important. Like, I'm so strong. And then a pandemic happens or an economic crisis happens or 2008 happens. And then all of a sudden we're just like, ah, like what happened? Right, because money's like sinking sand, it's, it's real strong and significant until it isn't. And so every time we give away a dollar, it's like we're, we're having a worship service in our soul that says, you are not my savior, right? You are not my significance. You are not my security. And so we give it away. That's what we see. That's why the Macedonian churches are begging. They're begging for that opportunity. Isn't that good? Look, we don't have time to get into it. Just but quickly. Like, I just want to address debt. Like, debt, God's Word teaches us debt is like a rope around our neck, right, that we become a slave to the lender. And so I just want to caution you, like, get out of debt as fast as you can. 
Like, you could maybe make an argument when, when interest rates were 1% and 2% that you could use that debt to make money. There's some creative people out there with finances. I get it. But now when you see interest rates at 6%, 7%, get away from it as fast as possible. Like, do whatever you can to start saving now so the next time you buy a car, you pay cash. Right? You don't have to use interest. Right? Get out of those credit cards as quick as you can because they're like a rope around our neck. Like when it comes to our children going to college, like try to think as the most creative way to do it as affordable as possible. Our daughter just started college at the uh, Texas Women's University, $6,000 a year, living with her grandparents. She's working and saving money. Like our goal is to get her out like debt-free like because it will be an anchor in her life starting a, a career. She wants to be a teacher. I'm just like, babe, we got to get you out without any debt. So we got to be creative. So like find creative ways to get us far away from debt. Let's look at verse 5. He keeps going, talking about the Macedonian people. He says, and this, as if that wasn't enough in verse 4, and this, not as we had expected, but the Macedonian people first gave themselves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. So I just want to camp on that phrase gave themselves to the Lord. What does that mean, right? It's very abstract. How do you, how do you, how does somebody give themselves to the Lord, right? This is really the heart, right? How did they become a people with great joy, right, with great generosity, begging for opportunities? Well, they first gave themselves to the Lord. And I wanted to camp on that phrase because it could sound like that the Macedonian people gave themselves to the Lord, and then in return, the Lord gave himself to the Macedonian people, but that would be an incorrect understanding, right? Because we know, we, right, the gospel is that he first gives to us, right? So that's the theme of the passage this morning is that, 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 that God has poured out his grace so richly upon the Macedonian people that their response is, how could we not, right? So that how could we not give? How could we not beg? We have, we have saints, brothers and sisters in Christ who are, who are losing their homes in Jerusalem. How could we not, right? And so that's... That's all in response to the gospel. And so if you're sitting here this morning and you're like, I want to be a generous person. I want to grow in my generosity. It begins with seeing the gospel, the glory of God, like the fullness of his grace, right? That, 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 it's, that, that Jesus, it's not that we love God, but that he first loved us, right? That's the hope. That's the, that's the generosity of God. Uh, that's, that's 1 John chapter 4. Romans chapter 5, right, that, that he demonstrates his love for us while we were yet sinners. He gave, Jesus gives himself to us, right? John chapter 15, it's not that we chose him, but that he chose us. And so that's what the Macedonians are, are responding to, that Jesus has given himself, that he's given forgiveness, he's given peace. He's given his love. He's given forgiveness. He's given his righteousness. He's given his spirit. He's given his word. He's given us his people. And so the Macedonians are like, how could we not? How could we not beg for opportunities? Not because they were being put in a headlock, because they wanted, right? So they first gave themselves to the Lord. So just nuts and bolts, what that means is you, you profess faith in Jesus, like, if you've never done that this morning, trust in Jesus right now. Give yourself to the Lord. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then on top of that, every day is an opportunity for us to give ourselves to the Lord. 
Right? That's what we're talking about this morning of giving our money to the Lord, our marriage to the Lord, our children to the Lord, our past to the Lord, our future. Like every day we're giving ourselves to the Lord. And it's because he's given so much to us. Look at verses 7 to 8. He continues that idea. He says, but just as you abound, he's talking to the Corinthian church now, you abound in faith and utterance and knowledge and all earnestness and in the love we inspired in you. See that you abound in this gracious work also. I'm not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Do you see what he's doing? The Apostle Paul is pointing the Corinthian church, look at how much the Lord has given you. Like not only all of the gospel, you're rich in faith. The Corinthian church is rich in knowledge, rich in wisdom. And so he says, now abound in this gracious work also. That's how we know. That's how we know it's, it's, it's in response to God's glory because it's, it's grace. It's his grace. We see grace. The word grace is in verse 1. The word grace is in verse 6. The word grace is in verse 7. It's like, look at his grace. So that he says in verse 8, he's like, I'm not speaking this as a command. This is the Apostle Paul. He's seen the resurrected Jesus. He's been sent out by the resurrected Jesus. He could just say to the Corinthian church, be generous. Right? He could just tell them, do this. Give this. Stop buying that. This is what you should do. But he doesn't. He says, I want you to want to give. Right? I want you to want to be generous. Isn't that good? Look at verses 9, 10, and 11 as he keeps going. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's just stop right there. He's saying to the Corinthian church, you know his grace. All right, so if we're wanting to grow in generosity... If we're not seeing generosity in us, we need to do some serious heart work then. Like, do we know of his grace, the grace of our Lord Jesus? Do we know of his love? Do we know his word? Do we know his life? Do we know of his forgiveness? Do we, do we know he calls us his? He says he'll be with us always. He calls us brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. Like, do we know of his grace he says, and though he was rich, do you know Jesus was rich? He's talking about eternal God. Jesus is eternal God, creator of heavens and earth, dwelling in eternity with, with the, the Father and the Spirit. He's rich. He has everything we could ever imagine. He's rich, and yet he becomes poor. How does he become poor? Jesus becomes poor, Philippians teaches us, because he comes he takes on flesh. He's born as an infant. He humbled himself in the form of a servant. He became poor. He gave up all the wealth of the, the heavens so that he might draw near to us. He became poor so that through, his, that's, through Jesus' poverty, we might become rich. Isn't that good? That when you believe in Jesus, we're rich. Right, beyond measure. Economies can go up and down. We're rich in Christ. Right? Nations can crumble. We're rich in Christ. 
Like we're going to be with him for eternity. We have the spirit of God dwelling inside of us. Like nobody can touch that. No politician, no company, no person can steal it. Like it's ours in Christ. He says we're rich. He says I give my opinion on this matter. For this is to your advantage who were the first to begin a year ago not only to do this. He's referencing 1 Corinthians chapter 16. He says, but also now desire to do it, so finish. So that just as there was the readiness to desire it, so there may also be the completion of it by your ability. So he's pointing the Corinthian church to Jesus. He's charging the Corinthian church to grow in generosity. The Lord's blessed you in so many ways. Grow in this gracious work also so that we might be Macedonian-type people, right? A great ordeal of affliction. Circumstances go up and down, but there's joy, right? Poverty may come, but there's generosity, Begging, looking for opportunities. Listen, I, I'm, not, I'm not just teaching this passage for us this morning. Like, I am a testimony of how this passage has, has bore fruit in my life. Like, I've not, I've not arrived <laughs> in, the, in the area of generosity, but I've actually, I've absolutely seen this work itself out in my life. Like, I, I didn't grow up around Jesus. I didn't grow up around church. My parents divorced when I was three years old. I was raised by a single mom, and uh, I'm finishing up high school, uh, 18 years old. She says, hey, I need you to move out. Like, it just is, I can't keep you anymore. you got to figure out on your own. And I, I wasn't mad at her. It's just the reality of our, our life. And so I was like, okay, like, uh, how's this going to work? Like, I, I'm, at the time, I was working at Gadzooks uh, in the Irving Mall making four 25 an hour, and uh, I'd just come to faith in Jesus like six months earlier, and uh, I'm 18 years old and thinking like, like, what am I going to do? In God's grace, he brought a family into my life. They were maybe 25, about to have their first kid, and they said, why don't you come live with us? I was like, what? I'd never heard of anything like that, and they're like, yeah. Come live with us, but here's the thing. Like, you need to get a better job. I was like, all right. Gadzooks, no. And uh, you need to go to school, like figure out how to get into school. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and uh, you need to do some things around the house. Like there's certain things you're going to do. and you're, you, you do those things, you can live here for free. And I said, okay, partly because I didn't have any other option, right? And so I moved in with this family, and they started to teach me. They started to teach me, like, the Bible. They started to teach me about responsibility. They started giving me feedback on character. They started teaching me about finances. They started teaching me about how to create a budget. They started teaching me about how to give. Like sometimes people ask like, you know, like what are we, what are we supposed to give? Or like when I have more money, then I'll give. And they're like, no, you just start giving right now. Like if it's a dollar, then give a dollar. Like sometimes we, we go to the Old Testament, the 10% rule, like tithe, 10%. Like, I mean, Jesus gave his life Right? So our approach towards giving it, like, is not to give as little as we can. It's to give as much as we can. Jesus gave his life, and then he says, come and follow me. And they started teaching me that. Like, at an early, 
early stage. And so I was like, okay. So I just, I started to implement what God's word is teaching us. And I lived with them for a year and started to kind of see myself kind of getting on my feet. Got a different car, bought a Z28, feeling pretty good about that. Waiting tables at Chili's, making more money than I'd ever made in my life. So I thought I should probably buy a jet ski. So I went out and bought a jet ski to partner with my Z28. And I, and I moved out. I got a roommate and I thought this is this is great. I'm on the path. And you know what happened? Life, adversity, hardship, right? My jet ski got stolen uh, after a month. That was a bad investment. Uh, come to f- uh, my Z28 starts to break down, and here I am again. My feet planted right up in the air. What am I going to do? How is this going to work? I'm in a different church, different people. I mean, I, I didn't know where. This man walks up to me, and he says, you got a Z28? I go, yeah. Having trouble? Yeah. He said, tell you what. He goes, if you buy the new engine, you save up, you buy the new engine, I'll put the engine in your Z28. I said, do you know how to do that? And he goes, no, uh, but I'll do it. And he did, right? It's just God's grace. He got my car up and running. I was able to keep learning character, keep learning the Bible, keep learning about finances, keep learning about giving, keep learning about generosity, right? And I could tell you, I could, I could tell you story after story after story of just God's grace in my life, not just the gospel of just where he's just poured out onto me abundantly so that today, like I've been walking with Jesus for 30 years now, today I am by no means like financially like without any needs, but the Lord has been so good to our family. He's been so good to our family. So that today, like, I love the idea of generosity. How could I not? (laughs) I mean, the Lord has been so gracious to me. I'm not exaggerating. Just story after story where the Lord shows up through the body of Christ. Like, money didn't fall from heaven. It was just through applying God's word, being faithful to him and trusting him. And he's just part. So I love to be generous. So that today, like, I don't want to make you feel uncomfortable. Like, today, our family, we give, I think, a little over $700 a month. We just give it away. Like, and I get it. We have a church family that gives. So maybe some of you are unimpressed. Maybe some of you are impressed. I don't really care. I'm just letting you know, like, we love to give away money. Like, praise God. Like, if I think about it long enough, like, I start thinking, like, 700 bucks. Like, that's a lot of vacations every month. That's a lot of going out to eat. That's a lot of new things that I could buy. But in my heart of hearts, like, I don't think of it that way. Like, I think about, like, I don't need those things. And so I love, not just with our finances, but with our house. The Lord's blessed us with a house. Praise God, I bought a house in 2006. I don't know how people do it today. But again, just a picture of God's grace so that we have a home today. We have extra rooms. And so we've had people live with us for free while we've lived in that house. How could I not? After all that the Lord has done for me, we've had different women We've had my mom live with us. We had a foster son live with us. We love to do those things. Nobody's put us in a headlock. Nobody's put a a thermometer, be like, if you could just get to this point, right? Nobody showed us a video with puppies that are dying, and if you could just give. No, it's all in response of God's grace. And the more I learn of God's grace, the more I see of his glory, the more I see of his goodness, my hard attitude is, I mean, how could I not? How could I not, right? Let's close off with verses 12 to 15. Verse 
12 to 13, says, For if the willingness is present, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For this is not for the relief of others and for your hardship, but by way of equality. Verse 14 and 15, At this present time, your abundance will serve as assistance for their need. He's talking about the Jerusalem church. So that their abundance also may serve as assistance for your need. So that there may be equality. As it is written, the one who has gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. We could spend a a, a whole time on just 12 to 15. It's a lot in there, but just for simplicity, right? the Corinthian church is a little skeptical of the Apostle Paul. All right, because the Jerusalem church is primarily Jewish. The Apostle Paul is Jewish. The Corinthian church is primarily Gentile. And so the Corinthian church is like, well, you're just trying to help the Jewish church because you're Jewish, and so I'm not sure we should do this. The Apostle Paul says, no, it has nothing to do with Jew and Gentile. It has to do with equality. Look at that. It says equality twice. Who says God's word is outdated? Equality. That's all it's talked about today is equality. But God's word teaching about equality. This isn't the government taking from one group to give to another group to make equality. This is the body of Christ looking out for brothers and sisters. Out of the Lord's blessings in our life, might we become a conduit to bless others, right? Because it would be weird for us to gather in worship on a Sunday, raise our hands at the glory of God, and the person next to us is struggling to get to work on Monday. That would be weird. And so he's saying, to those who have an abundance, consider those who have need. It's not want. It's not want, it's need, right? It's it's weird. Right now, it's weird. We have churches in our city that have abundance, and we have churches in our city that are struggling to keep the lights on. That's weird. We're all the body of Christ, brothers and sisters. We're going to spend eternity together. That's weird. So he's pressing. God's word is pressing on us. This isn't just a challenge for the elders of North Village Church. This is for every follower of Jesus, right? I mean, to, to think about, like, the abundance of God's blessing we have here in the United States, even in the midst of our affliction and hardship of 2023, we know There's brothers and sisters around the world that are dying. It's weird if we're not aware of that, if we're not thinking about that, if we're not asking the Lord to help us to grow in that area, if we're just going and buying more things and eating more tacos and putting the back of our closet to give away to goodwill. He says, have a broader scope. Have a broader scope and to consider how the Lord's blessing might not terminate with us, but move through us. Yeah? So with our worship team, you come to the front. Let's lower the lights. I just want to invite you to just sit on the truth of God's word this morning. And the more we see of God's goodness, how could we not want to extend his goodness to others? Right? The more we see how the Lord responds to our failures, how does that not shape how we respond to the failures of others? 
And so that's the invitation this morning. Like God's word is talking about money, but really the invitation is to see his goodness. Chapter 8, verse 9. He who is rich became poor so that through his poverty we might become rich. Holy Spirit, would you help us to see just the glory of God made known in Jesus? If there's somebody in here who's yet to believe in Jesus, would you open their eyes? Would you show the, the darkness of their heart? How all of us are un, unworthy of your favor, and yet Jesus comes, and he pours out his goodness abundantly. Father, would you help all of us to grow in that truth, to see it in your word, that even, even in pain, even in our past, you're good, you're gracious, you're working, you are with us, you'll never leave us. The things of this world are going to fade. The eternal kingdom is forever. So brighten our eyes to that truth. Lift our eyes to that truth. Help us to live with that mindset. We trust you for that. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.